I want to share with you uh, today on the power of your testimony. And I, I want you to just sit back and put your seatbelts on, as it were, and to, to just listen to what I believe the Holy Spirit has for us. Uh, we are living in uncertain times, and th there's a lot of uncertainty. I don't have much of an issue with uncertainty in and of itself. I have, an un, an in, I have a problem with an issue, as it were, a problem with believers being so uncertain. Uh, when we talk about testimony, we talk about a witness. Uh, uh, the, the word for witness uh, is martyrs. Uh, we used to preach, my, my wife and I, in Switzerland at a church called Martyrs. And I thought that was a strange name, but I had to, it was Greek. It's a Greek name, Martyrs. It's, it means witness or martyr, martyr. So in the early days of the church, the church adopted this witness as martyr because to be a witness for, for Jesus, it, you were likely to be martyred, killed. Uh, the, the word that we're going to be using today or the, the meaning of the word uh, is martureo, martureo. It is to be a witness, to testify, to give evidence of, to bear rec uh, record, to bear record. Bear record is like testifying, bearing record of something. Have obtained uh, something. You have received something, obtained something. It also... Uh, talks about a good report that's coming from you or you're giving a good report or an honest report is to be well reported of, to be, uh, to be talked about well, well reported of, to give testimony and again to bear witness. And so the goal or the objective of the message is to encourage you to guard your testimony and to strive, I want you to strive to have God himself speak well of you. Amen. Strive to, that God himself would speak well of you. Amen. He will do that for you. It is also important that others speak well of you. Thus, recognizing that Christ is in you, they may not know him as Christ, but they know you're different. You are different. Today, many scholars, many scholars are questioning the morality of the church. And I ask, should they? I ask, what right do they have to do that? But they are. And, and sometimes, you know, we can have issues with people when they say something negative about us, even if it's true. We'll have issues, right? But I, there are many profound scholars. I've told you that I enjoy, I enjoy people who have striven to be well-informed. I don't have to agree with all of them, but I, I recognize something special about them. They want to know. You see, I told you the story. It's a little bit humorous. Uh, it wasn't to me at the time when my sister Carolyn would say to, uh, to me when I was acting really silly as a little boy. She would say, she was only a year and a half older. She was well read. And she said, ignorance is bliss. 
and I would get upset because I knew she were not complimenting me. She was not complimenting me, but I didn't know what it meant. And I didn't, didn't have the tenacity to go to the dictionary, which was there in the house. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is not bliss here anymore. Some feel that the church has lost its moral compass. And I'm talking about what's going on out there and some of what's going on in here and that the church seems to have lost its moral compass. Are they correct? Are they correct? Is the church as effective as in former times? I hope to answer these questions in the next few minutes. I, I hope to answer these questions. Jesus Christ himself in, in Matthew 5 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So what Jesus is saying is that he has called us to be light to the world, not just to the church. You don't turn on a light where there's already a light. You turn on a light to dispel the darkness. And so your good works, in this case, in this context, your good works are your testimony and your witness among people. The Lord Jesus himself also should be your testimony in that, in that you are living in a way that testifies of Christ within, God within. I want to take you now, because I must always start out with Jesus, but I, I want to take you now to the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 5 through 9. The scripture talks about David, this wonderful, beautiful personage of David. Uh, my dad preached more messages on David than I've, I've ever or probably could ever. He loved the character of David. And so David went out wherever Saul sent him. Now, notice the, the, the reading. Uh, the, let's just savor it. David went out wherever Saul sent him. David had defeated the giant. And no matter what mighty men did, David defeated the giant. That, it's that beautiful, though. Isn't that beautiful? I, I find it beautiful. Uh, perhaps I find things beautiful that other people go, hmm. But I'm thinking, wow. So, so they had, several of the mighty men had done all these great exploits, but David defeated the giant. Amen. David knocked the giant out and took his head off. And so Saul conscripted him, drafted him into his army. And so he says, what did he do? He went wherever Saul sent him. What a testimony. No, notice. And behave wisely. Oh, what a, what, what, how beautiful is that? And Saul sent him, set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now, what a testimony. He's a young guy. He's probably still a teenager. And look how wisely he comports himself and he doesn't have the Holy Spirit within. He has the Holy Spirit guiding him, but not within. You and I have that inner compass. Wow, I'm so excited. The power of your testimony. 
Verse 6 says, now it had happened as they were coming home. When David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, the Philistines at that juncture uh, were Israel's arch enemy. And they were returning after the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet Saul. Now, listen, let me go back. That has been preached that the women caused the trouble. That just shows you how we, where we are and how we are. Now, I'm not preaching it like the women caused the trouble. All right? Amen. Now, you women ought to say amen or something. Amen. <laughs> Here's a brother here saying amen more than you ladies. Now, it had happened as they were coming home, when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women had come out of the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet Saul with tambourines, with joy, listen, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. They did cause them a ruckus. Sometimes when you tell the truth, as you comport yourself through this life, it will cause problems. But they told the truth. Sometimes we think, well, maybe they shouldn't have said it there. Well, perhaps they should not have. But they did tell the truth. And Saul was very angry. Then Saul was very angry. And the saying displeased him. Saul wanted them to lie about it. And there are those pressures that want to get you and, 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 and the rest of us to lie about the truth. Now listen. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. This is what we know, that the song that they were singing in Israel was now going to be sung in the enemy's camp. Is the, or let me say are, the enemies of God singing our songs? Have our songs reached out? The truth of them is so formidable that it has reached out into the world system, or have we abandoned our song for carnal weapons? Remember, David did not abandon his sling for Saul's armor. So let us, let us always be sober and vigilant and do the will of God. Now, I know you hear these messages a, a lot. But there's, there's a reality that we must apprehend if we're going to do the work of God, if we're going to show what true Christianity is about. Now notice here. Your enemy knows your song. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 10 through 15. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And this was after... Uh, that Edomite, old Dueg, old Dueg, uh, uh, I don't know, the Edomite had went and ratted on David. He was out down there and, and Saul, I saw him, David, and, and Abimelech, they've given him some, uh, the, the showbread and he's eating it and da, 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 da. And so Saul goes and kills the high priest there and, the, and then he later on is searching for David. So David had no place of safety among his people. Now, this is, this is not where I'm going, but there was no place in Israel where he could find safety. It's, a, it's as though there was no place of safety in the people of God. Because he was such a man of truth. 
But he fled to the enemy's camp. This is what this is about. So he went down to Achish, the king of Gath. Now notice, he went to a place where he had killed their champion. So, so God might have you going into places where their champion has been slain. But notice how David comported himself in verse 11. And the servants of Achish said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to him? To one another, did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? So they knew Israel's song. They knew the songs of Israel. Now, you and I must so sing and so live our lives, so be such a witness of Jesus Christ that people pick up our songs. But I find our children singing the world's songs. Yeah, and some of you in here are singing the world's songs. That's true. Oh, I know every now and then we pick up one of those old hymns, and I, I, I call that song that when a man loves a woman is old hymn. Yeah. So in, 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 in the enemy's camp, they, are, they, are, they, are, they know the songs of God's people. Now, David took these words to heart when he heard that and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of, of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their, uh, in their hands, stretched on the doors, scratched rather on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, look, you see this man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So the king of, of Gath says these things. And uh, so the testimony of David uh, was so great but because of the fear of his enemies, he acted contrary at that juncture to his testimony. Because of fear. Have you acted contrary to your testimony? I ask that. And the reason I'm asking these things is because the more I pull away from the, the world and all that, that is there, the, the clearer I think I hear God's voice. Okay, I say the clearer I think I hear God's voice. Time will tell whether I've heard God's voice, but the clearer I think. I was talking with Dr. Rocher um, a few, maybe a couple of weeks ago after he left here, and we were talking about fasting and praying, and he brought something to my attention that I had not quite understood. He said, he said we were just talking, he was talking about we were talking about doing some things and in the future, and I'll let you know about that later after this message. I've got to get the message out. So Dr. Rosa says one of the things about the, the fasting, and he was uh, asking me questions, and many, many questions. We talked about an hour, and he said one thing that it does when you are fasting and praying, you are pulling yourself away from dependence on the earth. I thought, wow, I never thought about it like so, you know, because the earth sustains us, it sustains us uh, with our energy. We eat foods uh, that come from the earth. We eat vegetables and we eat animals that feast on the earth. And then when we pull away, we're, as it were, pulling away from dependency on the earth. I think that is so important. You and I need to pull away from the dependence on the earth and have a greater testimony. David did not compose this song. Um, the dancing ladies composed it, but it belonged to David. It was David's story. It was his song. It was his testimony. It, the song belonged to David. 
What songs do we sing that belong to you in Christ? What songs that, that, that have come out of your dependency on the Lord and now God has made you who uh, were weak now strong and powerful in the Lord? Do we ever sing songs? I'm not talking about how I got over and how what I did and what, yeah, those kinds of songs. Can't stand them, those, those self-dependent songs. But boy, those songs that talk about Jesus and what he's done for us. You know, I, oh, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Where, where are those songs? Oh, Jesus. I am who I am because of you, Jesus. That's what I think our testimony is about. Yes, we have been through tests and we have overcome and we are living our lives only for Jesus. We're not living our lives for what we can get out of it. One of the, one of the greatest travesties to the people of God was the, were these songs that was all about and sermons about what we, if we do this for God, we get all these things. I mean, maybe some of you are too young to know about that. Well, I hope you never know about that. Let's, let's go further. I'll read a little bit more about David. And um, again, again, in 1 Samuel 29, um, verses 4 through 11. But let me just jump to um, verse 5 because the, the uh, princes of the Philistines were saying to uh, Achish, get this guy out of here. Get this guy out of here. Uh, don't take him to battle. We're going to battle Saul. Get this guy away from us. When has the world said, get this Christian out of here? Because a lot of uh, times we conform to them in their atmosphere. You know that. And if you say, well, Pastor, I don't, I, let's just go to work together. A lot of times we're Christians do. And I do know that there is a point where we behave ourselves wisely, and that is important. We don't want to go sit down with a big old Bible on a test about three feet long or whatever on the desk and say, I'm a Christian. No, just comport yourself that way. Yeah, comport yourself that way. And so the, uh, so the, the princes of the Philistines, uh, said to Achish, the, the, the king, is this not David of whom they sang to one another and dances, saying Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? We can't have this man uh, going to war with us, but the world is inviting the church to go to war with them in their causes, and many of us are acquiescing or giving into it or yielding to it. Amen. Wow. And so David went on to, to give like uh, it was a wise uh, response, David says, um, for to this day, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Then Achish called David and said to him in verse 6, surely as the Lord lives, you have been, listen, upright, and you're going out and you're coming in with me in the army is good in my sight. The enemy is even saying, I have found you to be full of integrity. Those who disagree with us will say, I, I got to hand it to you. You've been righteous. He says, for, this, for to this day, I have not found evil in you. He's in the enemy's camp. I have not found you evil in you since the day of your coming to me. And he says, nevertheless, the lords do not favor you, or the, the rulers of the Philistines do not favor you. Therefore, return. And so David, David answered Achish, he said, uh, in verse 9, he says, I know that you are as good in my sight. I'm sorry. 
I'm skipping over some things. So David said, in verse 8, I'm sorry. So, uh, so David said to Achish, but what have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant as long as I've been with you that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord the King? So David was showing, was protesting, but there's nothing that we should, that should suggest that David was really trying to go and fight Israel. We don't want to, want to go to that conclusion. Then Achish answered him again. He said, I know that you are, you are as good in my sight as an angel of God. Isn't that, wouldn't it be something if the world saw us that way? And so, but he didn't let him go to battle. David behaved himself so widely, wisely that even his enemies spoke well of him. They had nothing of which to speak evil of him. We should have a godly testimony even among those with whom we disagree and those who disagree with us. We must never treat those who have been captured by the enemy like those who are complicit with him. We should never treat those who have been taken captive. We should not make enemies of people who, are, who don't hold our positions. The power of your testimony. We should never treat them. Many brothers and sisters have been taken captive by the enemy. They're not the, the same as those who are complicit with him. That is, those who choose to be involved in ungodliness. But some of our brothers and sisters have been taken captive. So we must strive to live a life pleasing to our Heavenly Father. We must strive to have a life pleasing, to live a life pleasing to our Heavenly Father. Uh, some testimonies of pleasing God is one is that David in 1 Kings 15.5 says that David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. We know that David made mistakes, but the one that he performed or had with Uriah's wife Bathsheba, God says, boy, that, you've gone too far. You ever have parents that say to you, you've gone too far now? Amen. You know, if you've not had an appearance like that, God is like that. God is a parent who is like that. You've gone too far now. If my dad said, oh, no, no, son, you've gone too far now, I knew what that meant. Wow, see, our children don't know what that meant. They just meant you'll say it again and again and again. And so every time you say it again and again, you just push the boundaries. They, they have more latitude to defy you. But when God sometimes says to you, you've gone too far now. And so God says to David, you've gone too far now. And this is the, 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 the incident that uh, the writer of 1 Kings is talking about where David went too far and God says the sword will never depart from your house. <laughs> wow. Wow. But he had a great testimony and the sword never departed from his house. So, so let's look at Hebrews 11.5. It's become one of my favorite scriptures, Hebrews 11.5 and 6. It says, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found. Because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Are you a God pleaser? Living in this world, you must be a God pleaser. I will please God before I please man. I will please God before I please my wife. I will please God before I please my husband. Now you have to walk carefully there, gingerly there, because you don't want to be headstrong. 
you know, that is going in your own direction. But we must be God-pleasers. We must be God-pleasers. Um, there was a, a song that was sung when I was a boy. It was saying, the reason I'm living this life, I don't want to be lost. The reason I'm living this life, I don't want to be lost. The reason I'm living this life, I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost when Jesus comes. You know, those songs used to scare me. I, I tell you, I was frightened of those songs. And I mean, I mean I'm thinking, why do they keep singing about hell and damnation and fire and brimstone and being lost forever? Why? You know? But, but they, they, those songs sent me to the altar. The A-L-T-A-R. They sent me to the A-L-T-A-R so I could be A-L-T-E-R-E-D. And then, so, so the writer tells us how then to please God. He says to us in, in Hebrews eleven six, 6, he says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So he tells us that Enoch had faith. That's why God took him. He did not see death as normal people did. God took him. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to, to please him. Why? Because he who comes to God, she who comes to God must believe that he is, must believe that God exists. If you come to God, you've got to believe he exists or you'll never come. And there's a conjunction. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith pleases God. To have an acceptable testimony, one must have faith. Because there will be a lot of times you, don't, you have situations that you don't understand. And, and, and life has become so complicated. It's really complicated at, in, at this particular point in my life. It was not so complicated in my uh, preteen years and teen years and, and to early 20s and, and 30s and whatever and 40s. But it's become complicated because there's disinformation everywhere. And some of us even hold it ourselves. Again, as I draw near a close, many scholars are questioning the morality of the church. They're not wrong to question it. What's wrong is if we don't live out our Christian ethic. Again, should they? Some feel that the church has lost its moral compass. You know, oftentimes it's not so much because we hold positions differently than they. It's because we are mean with it. I've often said, I've often said, don't ever hold the right position with the wrong disposition. So as Christians, just tell the truth. One, one, of, my, one of my favorite statements, and I'll, I'll, I will briefly say this. I remember when President Reagan was, was in office and the Congressional Black Caucus went to him because there were some things they said, we, we've got to have. And they went to President Reagan and they, they, they said, President Reagan, we need you to do these things. These things, we're desperate for these things. And so they went out and they came out and they asked, how did it go? The news people, media asked, how did it go? He said, well, he was very, very nice, but he didn't give us anything. Are you, are you all listening to me? He was very nice. He was the, he was the opposition. But they left out of there with the testimony. He was very nice. 
What do they say about us? What do they say about us? What are they singing about us like they recited the songs about David? When they meet with Christians, those of us who are believers, are they saying, you know what? They, are, they were very, very nice and very polite, but they didn't yield for a minute. That should be our testimony. Okay. Okay. Should we dismiss what our opponents say just because they oppose us? Sometimes they're accurate in what they say. And we are inaccurate in our demeanor. Just listen again in your mind to Israel's arch enemy, the Philistines, reciting the songs of Israel. I want to, I'm going to close here uh, this morning. When Jesus was in Caesarea, he said, when Jesus had come into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say I, the son of man, am? What is the testimony out there of me? So they said, some say John the Baptist. That's a good one. John out there crying, preaching in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every mountain and hill shall be brought low and every valley shall be exalted. The crooked made straight and rough places plain. That's a good comparison. Elijah, that old fiery Tishbite who says it will not rain in Israel except at my word. There will not be dew or any moisture except at my word. Wow. He said, he's like Elisha, the Tishbite. Mm. And others says, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Or one of the others, like Isaiah, who seemed to have, to have a telescope looking into the future. Or a big screen with everything on it. He says, you like that. So Jesus answered. I'm sorry. Jesus then answered. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Who do you say? Who do the people of God say I am? Who do you say? Hallelujah, somebody. Mm. Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Barjona, son of John, or son of Jonah. One of the, either. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He had been talking with God. God had been talking with him. It's good to know what others think of you, but it is much better to know what God says of you. One can always tell who has been informing your speech. When Peter spoke, Jesus knew that God had informed him. Let God inform us in everything we say and do. I'll be back in a minute.